Psalm 19 to the choir master, Psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. In them, God has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs his course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and nothing is hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings from the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his heirs? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be innocent and blameless of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I wouldn't have to spend very much time convincing you that 2020 has been a tough year. And as we turn the page of 2021, we're hoping that 2021 is a year of rest and healing, but we don't know. It might get better. It might get worse. It might get more peaceful. It might get more chaotic. And yet, what I want to convince you of this evening is that no matter how chaotic or peaceful things get in 2021, that won't determine how good of a year it is for you. There's only one question that will determine what kind of year 2021 is for you. Did you get closer to Jesus? And did you become more like Jesus in 2021? Or did you drift away from him? 2021 might be another hard year, and yet God might use it to push you closer to him. So I want to challenge us to make that our chief desire in the new year. Now this psalm, or this song that we're going to study, is exactly about how to get closer to God and more like God in 2021. There's only one way to do it. 
This song is going to talk about the world God has made. It's one book of God that reveals him to us. And then this psalm is going to talk about the word of God, the other book of God, that also reveals God to us. And we're going to need this book of God if we're going to become more like God and closer to him. So now I want to invite you to take a look at verse 1 with me of Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. I haven't met a person who hasn't been stunned by the night sky. When I go out camping away from the city, I look up at the sky, and there are thousands of points of white light. There's often a moon glowing. And it's so beautiful, sometimes I feel like I took a shot in the gut. I don't know anyone who's not mesmerized by the sky. Or on the other hand, during the day, if the clouds come in and if it's overcast and you can't see the sky, what happens to your mood? It goes down. And then when the sunshine comes out, our joy goes up. There's something amazing and compelling about the sky. Now, the way that I've been taught to think about the sky and the heavens is different than the way David talks about it in this psalm. When I grew up in school, I was taught mainly to think about the heavens as information. The earth is the third planet in our solar system. The sun is 93 million miles away from the earth. We're in the Milky Way galaxy. Yet David is not talking about the heavens as if they're information. He's talking about them as communication. He's saying that the sky is talking to you. The sky is telling you something. What is it that the sky is telling us? David says that it's declaring the glory of God. What's the glory of God, you might ask? Glory is the Hebrew word that means weight. Okay, so weight as in value. So if I had a scale up here, and I was going to stack a sum of gold on one side and a sum of gold on the other side, which side is going to be more valuable? It's the side that's heavier. And that's what this word glory means. God's weight and value is greater than anything else you could put on the scale with him. You could put any of us, anything in this world, you could put the whole world on the scale. And God's glory and weight is going to be greater. Now, when I look up at a night sky, I feel stunned, which is what I'm supposed to feel. Because the night sky is telling me that God is stunning. God is using the sky and other things in creation to communicate to you that he's glorious, that he's weighty, that his value surpasses anything else in the world. Verse 2 says, or sorry, the second part of verse 1 says, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. So as an artist paints a picture, and the picture reveals the excellence of the artist, 
The sky above reveals the excellence of our God. That's how it works. That's what it's supposed to do. So when you feel an emotional reaction to the sky and to the stars or to anything else God has made, it's communicating to you about him. That's one way that he's talking to you. So if we move on to verse 2, day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. The communication doesn't stop. He's always talking to us. God is always talking to you. If you feel like God is silent, he actually isn't. He's always telling you things about himself. And he's not telling you small things about himself. You see that word in verse 2? It pours out speech. That Hebrew word can mean it gushes forth. The heavens, the stars are gushing forth communication about God to us on a daily basis. Verse 4 says, Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. There isn't a single human being who hasn't heard God talk to them. Everywhere in all the world, everyone is receiving communication about God, what he is like, and who he is. If we move forward to Romans chapter 1 in the Bible, this is what the Apostle Paul writes. For God's invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Brother Scott shared this with me when we were prepping for the sermon. He says it's not that God has spoken softly. It's that we are hard of hearing. God does speak in lively ways to us through his world. So then he transitions in verse 5, and he's going to talk about one example of a way God talks to us through the heavens. And what he does is he draws our attention to the greatest heavenly body of all, the sun. He says, in them, God has sent a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man runs his course with joy. So David thinks of the sun when it sets as going into a tent. It's gone to sleep for the night. And when it comes out in the morning, I'm sure who here likes the beauty of a sunrise? When it comes out in the morning, David says it's like a, like a groom who's about to marry his bride, and he comes out of his room all dressed up, all joyfully prepared for the wedding. The sun is like that when it's rising up over the horizon. It's expressing joy. And what this text means is that the sun is telling you that God makes people joyful. The sun is letting you know that like a bridegroom is joyful, God makes you joyful. 
and then the sun rises through the sky. And it moves over our heads each day with steadiness, consistency. It's so reliable, we can set all of our watches according to it. God says it's like a military warrior running his course with joy. And as the sun travels over our heads, it's a reminder to us of how strong God is. He's reminding us how mighty he is as the sun soars over our heads. It rises all the way from the end of one horizon, soars and sets at the other horizon, and nothing's hidden from its heat. The heat of the sun covers everything, just as God's rule covers everything. The sun gives warmth and life to everything, just as God gives warmth and life to everything. And these are just a few images of how creation shows us our God. There's countless examples and countless images of the ways that creation reveals to us our God. And yet, there's a problem, isn't there? Even though the whole world can see God through the things he has made, even though he has spoken to everyone and shown them great and beautiful things, yet every tribe, every tongue, every people has refused and rejected God, haven't they? So what Paul says, Romans 1, 21, 23, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images, resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. When you see how good God is in creation, it shows us how fallen we are when we worship the creation rather than the creator. All of us are guilty of this. I'm guilty of this. The communication in creation, the revelation, is not lacking. Our hearts are lacking. Our hearts are the reason that God shows us such a beautiful picture and we turn away from him. Or we take a part of that picture and worship the picture instead of worshiping him. So there's a problem in our hearts. And the problem is not God. It is not the world he has made. It's the way that we respond to the world that he has made. So what's the solution? Well, God needs to speak to us in a different way. God needs to speak to us in a greater way. God needs to speak to us in a more powerful way. If there's a hope that we're going to become like him and know him and trust him, what way could that possibly be? 
What way could be better than the sun or the stars or the creation? What could possibly be greater? And we see in verse 7 the way that God has spoken to us. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Friends, this is the second book of God. This is the greater and deeper way that he's spoken to us than even the creation of the entire world. You see these words in verses 7 through 14? He talks about the law. He talks about the testimony. He talks about the precepts, the commandment, and the fear and the rules of the Lord. These are words that refer back to the book of Deuteronomy. These are words that refer to the covenant God made with his people. A covenant is an intimate relationship like a marriage. There's rules in a marriage, and then there's deep intimacy in a marriage like no other relationship. And what this is saying is that God spoke generally to the whole world when, in the way he made the world, but he spoke specifically and intimately to his people in his word. This is a more intimate way to know God. This is a way to get closer to God. This is a way that you not only know about God, but know him. What we're going to see as we keep going through this sermon is the incomparable value of his word. And we see evidence number one of the value of the word is that it provides opportunity to have intimacy with God that you cannot find anywhere else. We can see this one way in the names that are used for God in this passage. Take a look at verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. Now that word in Hebrew is a general term for a deity who rules. It's not a personal name. It's a general term for a deity that rules. Now take a look at verses 7 through 14. What name do we see David use beginning in verse 7 for God? Someone say it. The Lord. Now I want you to go ahead and count up how many times he uses the name the Lord in verses 7 through 14. Go ahead and count it. And there's one of them in verse 14. Just a heads up. How many times has he used the name the Lord? I heard seven. That's right. He used it seven times. The Lord is God's personal name, Yahweh. This is his personal name that he shared with his special people. Not the other people who didn't know him. His special people who know him. And the word is used seven times because seven is the number of completion and perfection in the scriptures. Scriptures are a perfect and complete revelation of our God. There isn't another revelation like the scriptures. 
where we perfectly experience and know our Lord through them. Also, the intimacy and the closeness with God that we get in these scriptures has the effect of changing us, has the effect of renewing us to love our God like we ought to, but we otherwise can't on our own. I bet all of you want to love God more than you do, and you're frustrated with how little you love him. Is anyone else with me on that? And yet this book is the way to love him more. Just take a look at what it says about itself. In verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Is your soul in need of reviving? Is there deadness in your soul? Is there sin in your heart? Is there distance from God in your life? Your soul needs to be revived. What's going to revive your soul? The word, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. This book will. God's written the books to revive your soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Life in this world is so hard. One reason, because the value system keeps changing. I feel like there's things that are wrong today that were right 10 years ago, and there's going to be wrong 10 years from now that are right today. For four millennia, this book has not changed and will never change. To make wise the simple means that it will tell you what is right and wrong. Our foolish hearts on their own do not judge right and wrong rightly. This book will help us do that. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Now, this is not what we would expect. A precept is a rule. We don't like rules. Rules feel constricting. Rules feel constraining. Rules feel oppressive. And yet this verse says that they'll rejoice your heart. What's going on here? Anyone with a legalistic heart who pursues God, trying to earn God's love and acceptance and favor, will feel like they're being oppressed. This book will feel like slavery. But when you are already in a relationship with God through Jesus, the rules of God actually just become a way for you to have deeper intimacy with him. It's just a way for you to get closer to the person that you love more than anyone else. And then these rules in this book, they don't oppress you. They make your heart rejoice. It's what I want for us. To rejoice in the rules of God as they're not about God running our life in a way we don't want him to, but they're about us getting closer to the one we love the most. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. There's a lot of things you can look at in this world that will dim your eyes, bring death to your heart, 
and here there's a book where not a single word will do that. Does your heart feel dark? Do your eyes feel dim? Do you feel like you've looked at impure things and you feel impure and you feel unclean? Here are words that God will use to purify you in 2021. Bring you to the next degree of being like Jesus than you've ever been before. If you seek God in this book, you'll be more holy. If you forsake this book, you won't be. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The more you read this book, the greater awareness you're going to have of the weight and glory of God as you walk around throughout the world. You're going to need that. I'm going to need that. When the temptations of life come at me, the draw of sex and money and power comes at me, what's going to determine whether or not I stand or fall in those moments is if I fear the Lord. And this book creates a clean fear of God in our hearts that endures in those moments. So tragic to hear about Christians who are famous and we looked up to them and they fell. They lost their fear of the Lord. And so will I. Unless God keeps restoring me as I come to him and enjoy intimacy with him. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. This is David summing up this whole section. These are really good rules God has given us. These are really good words God has spoken to us. We are so fortunate to receive them. And when you see the glory of God, and you want to be close to him, your whole relationship to the Bible changes. You see, there's one type of person who's unaware of God's glory, unaware of his value, and so he doesn't want intimacy with him. There's another person who knows what God is like and wants to be close with him. And the result of that is verse 10. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. The more I want intimacy with God, the sweeter this book becomes to me. This book becomes more worthwhile to me than money. And this book becomes sweeter to me than honey. The closer I want to be to Jesus. I could break up my life into two segments. My life up until the fall of 2007 and my life after the fall of 2007. Before the fall of 2007, I read this book. I didn't love it. My life was largely characterized by sin, depression, loneliness, until in my freshman year of college at the Free Lutheran Bible School, God opened my eyes, and I saw how glorious he is. And then I wanted to have intimacy with him. So I started reading this book. 
And my life started to change, and I started to know him. And God took this selfish, video game-addicted person, myself, and changed me into someone who wants to make disciples and wants to serve other people. I see who I am. I see who I was. And I see how God changed me through this book. And I say, this book is so valuable to me. It's so sweet to me. Friends, if you could only see the person God would make you into, if you gave yourself to this book, you would never miss a day of reading it in your life again. You would die before you missed out on communing with him in the Bible. He has such good plans for you and who he wants to make you into. Every one of us. And I know life is busy and kids are hard and work doesn't stop. But I'm pleading with you, please, join me in 2021 in pursuing God in the Bible like we never have before. We're doing a Bible reading plan together to make this the most effective Bible reading together possible. What happens when you read the Bible together as a community is this isn't just about you and Jesus anymore. It's about you and your family and Jesus. You not only desire the word for yourself, you desire it for your brother and sister. And when you're reading the word of God, Together, in a community, you can say to someone who's weaker than you, hey, let's read these chapters for the next three days and then let's talk about them. Or if you feel like you need help with the Bible, you can go to someone who you know reads it and say, hey, can we talk in a few days? Let's read for a few days and talk in a few days and get that accountability. And so that's just one simple application of this sermon. If you feel like you've been failing at reading the word of God. And by the way, I feel convicted that I've been failing these past few weeks. I've actually, I've actually read, like I open up my Bible and read it, but my heart has not been in it. Like I haven't actually read it as if it was more valuable than money and sweeter than honey. That's one of the things God's been showing me these last few days is I need to repent and I need to take this book seriously and I need to pursue God in it. And if you're convicted that you haven't been in an all-out pursuit of God through his word, then I want to invite you to read the New Testament with me in 2021. Just one chapter a day. First thing in the morning, when you get up, if you can, before breakfast, before anything else can get in the way, because trust me, something will get in the way. Something will always get in the way. So I just have my Bible, and as soon as my feet hit the floor, I'm fighting to get my eyes open. <laughs> which was not such a battle, and reading and talking to my father and repenting that my heart's been so cold the last few weeks and going to him with fresh affection and love and delight and surrender. And all I want to say to you is please join me in that. Please join me in that. Verse 11 says, Moreover, by them your servant is warned in keeping them there is great reward. One thing David says is that there are rewards in the Bible every single time you read it. 
One reward is you get closer to Jesus. How would that change our community? How would that change your life? If we both believed that every day we read the Bible, it wasn't about doing a duty, it wasn't about checking a checklist off the chore, it was about getting rewards from God. Wouldn't we open it together? Wouldn't we read this book together? If every day your father who created the heavens above had a plan to reward you through these words? That's what he wants to do. He has good gifts for you. He has rewards for you in this book. Will you receive them? Or will you forsake them and lose out on them? In verse 12, David takes a turn. I didn't see this coming. He changes from talking about the word of God to sin. You see that in verse 12? Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. That's verse 13, verse 12. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. I think David sees a relationship between the Bible and between sin. One way I've heard this put that's really helpful is either sin will keep you from this book, or this book will keep you from sin. There isn't a neutral life any of us will live in 2021. It will either be a life of surrender to and becoming like Jesus through communion with him, or we'll neglect communion with him, and sin will have dominion over us. I don't want us to anyone be tricked into thinking there's halfway Christianity. There's only pursuit and knowledge of Jesus or neglect of Jesus and the drifting away from him. David says, declare me innocent from hidden faults. You see, he knows that as he grows, he's always going to reveal and find new areas of his heart that are not like Jesus. Are any of you ever discouraged? Like, no matter how much you become like Christ, all of a sudden you find a new level of pride or arrogance or envy in your heart? Well, David is right there too. And he knew that if he was going to have the intimacy with God that God wanted for him to have, God was going to have to declare him innocent of his transgressions. Intimacy with God is not about doing enough things to get God to let you be close to him. Intimacy with God happens when he declares you innocent even when you're guilty. And starts to treat you as if you're innocent. Even when you're guilty. And step by step, you become more innocent and clean and pure. But your trust never comes down to how clean and innocent or pure you are. It always depends on the fact that he declared you innocent. David was able to have that hope and confidence because of a future descendant of his. Ten centuries later, after he writes this song, Jesus is born. And Jesus is the reason that God can declare us innocent and welcome us into this kind of intimacy with him in the Bible. Jesus lived and suffered and died and rose again so that we could have intimacy with him. The highest price in the world was paid so that we could enjoy God in the Bible. There's nothing more 
God could have given up to bring you into a relationship with himself than his son. And I just ask that no one would leave here. Please don't leave here without being declared innocent by God. And if you want to talk to myself or any of our members, we would be happy to do that. Verse 13, keep your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. (sighs) Family, myself included, all of us have sins in our life that we know are sins and that we keep committing by choice. You know it's wrong and you choose and I choose to keep doing it. I just invite you to think of one right now. A sin that you know that you ought not to do and you keep doing it. The good news in this verse is that you don't have to keep doing that anymore. You don't have to keep doing that anymore. David knows that when he has this kind of relationship with God through the word, he's going to be able to put to death those sins that he knows he needs to put to death. Whatever sin is interfering with your walk with Christ and keeping you far away from him, I'm so encouraged that as we read the word of God together, you and me are going to find fresh strength to put those sins to death and get closer to Christ than we ever have before and get more intimate with him than ever before. Do, please do not have a low view of what God can accomplish in you when you really pursue him. Please don't have a small view about what God wants to do to make you like Jesus. And then David concludes, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. If my thoughts were to just be put on that screen and you were to click play, you would not see what I would hope you would see. And yet this psalm says that thoughts and words that consistently please God are available to us. We can live that way. Never perfectly without sin, but more holy and more like Jesus than we were in 2020. Your words and your thoughts can become more pleasing to God in 2021 than they are in 2020. And I know I sound like a broken record, but our time in here will determine whether or not that happens. Our time with God will determine whether or not our thoughts and our actions become more like Christ. And we can say, then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. The main point I'm trying to convince us of this evening is that when we know how important and lovely God is, we want to get close to him. And so we read the Bible. And whatever comes in 2021, the most defining thing about you 
and the, the way you live and the experience you have and the kind of person you are at the end of 2021 will be the communion with God we share in his word. That's what I'm inviting us into, church. Fresh relationship, fresh growth, fresh life with God. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you have written a book for us and that in the book you told us what the book is and about how it can lead us deeper into love with you, deeper in our walk with you, deeper in our purity with you. And I ask for more and greater depths of holiness for myself and for all of us in 2021. Fix our eyes on you. Turn us to yourself. And give us the discipline and grace to pursue you as you have pursued us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.